One. Woo! All right. Um, how's it going, guys? Eat, sleep, train, episode two. It's been like two months. <laughs> we, we've been making a turn. But uh, due to, uh, you know, recent, recent changes in the world, um, we're able to have some more free time and bust out uh, some more questions for you guys. Um, of course, we're gonna we're gonna start with the uh, the Rona season we're going through right now. Uh, we had some questions. All right. That. If you guys don't know us at this point, I'm Nick. And that's Jake. Jake. We're gonna be answering your questions today. So. All right. Let's start off. Let's just get an update here because it's been a long time since we we even really personally spoke. No, and got all the details out. So, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Um, honestly, like, I was getting into a real good swing of things at the gym the past couple of weeks, and then this happened. And oh, but I'm, uh, I'm good. Health and health and body wise, I'm good. Nice and lean right now. Not yeah, uh, yeah no. not caring. Plan, but I got veins running up my stomach right now, so I'm just running with. It. Yep. You're you're in the place that everyone in the world wants to be yeah. right now, and you didn't even try to get there. Literally doing nothing. I don't know, maybe we can uh, go over that. I don't know if there's going to be any relevant questions, but hey, it doesn't matter. That that's my, something that something uh, people want to hear. My exclusive ramen and whey diet that's been uh, holding me down for the past like three four months now. Dude, Ali Muscle was right. He, he was right. <laughs> it's it's cheap. It's easy. It works. Everything else is on point, so I can be pretty lax with it. I mean, like literally the the two I have two shakes a day and four packs of ramen a day, and that's it. That's my base. That's like okay, okay. But like a rest day, I won't I won't touch that. Most days, you know, that's. I, Sometimes a little bit extra, but for the most part, that's that's about it. Um, and that covers and, your protein needs from the day too, like just the two shakes. Well, they're the big shakes. The I have the, I think you got the same shaker, the giant, the giant guy. Yeah. The fifty ounce shaker or whatever. So I do hundred twenty to hundred forty gram shakes of whey a day. So all together, it gets me a little under 200 grams of protein from that. And then each ramen packet has like eight-ish, but they're not high quality. You know, I wouldn't say the ramen is the highest quality, but the way it's it's the diametized stuff, so it's all real high quality. Um, if you want to call way high quality protein, I consider it okay. I would. I would. I would. Um, so that, and there's a good amount of fat in the ramen I can normally get around like... 50 to 60, just from that, depending on which uh, which ones I'm having. Uh, and then I guess me to, uh, I think I'm doing, I'm like, so so rest days I'll do around 200 carbs. Um, and then most days I'm doing around 220 to 250. Um, but I'm not stressing it too hard if I, you know, if I'm dying one day, because I'll randomly have, at this point, it's it's. I haven't been able to find any like consistency with it. It's some days I'll just be absolutely starving, at you know, at the end of that. Um, 
and I'll, I'll take it and go have, you know, some extra food here and there. But other than that, that's really all I'm eating. Um, and that gets me, that gives me basically my set macros. So uh, that's that. And then veins running up the stomach and, you know, everything's, everything's going. Cardio's good. And I mean, right now the workouts are a little, you know. Yeah. I mean, you're weird. Your, your dips and your pull-ups and all the push-ups you've been challenged to. And the past couple months that, you know, it's been, it's been some like good hard training. I've been, um, been able to go ham on deadlifts and just absolutely destroy my body doing the, the rock climbing and dips and most for the most part body weight stuff and then heavy lat raises, which I'm actually really tight about not being out. Like the, the one thing I don't have right now that I absolutely need are kettlebells. So I think I'm going to buy a kettlebell soon because I, I haven't been able to get the same like stimulation on my shoulders without kettlebells. I just need them. Do you, Absolutely. Do you, do you feel a difference between a kettlebell and a dumbbell? Hundred percent, million times. It's it's and it's it's honestly, and it has to do a lot with the shape too, because the way I do the lat raises, I do I swing down between my legs, and the space difference between the dumbbells and the kettlebells makes the whole world difference. Like having it two inches out in front of me, just terrible, terrible. I, and the weight distribution too. And I I do them a little looser. Um, I don't have you know I have a fixed I don't have a fixed yeah, so loose and it's it's you know I use my hips and all that and you know but um yeah and I just I can't get the same movement with a dumbbell um I honestly I I don't even like like writing people's stuff I'm like if you if you can do it and you feel it with a kettlebell just do it with a kettlebell I'm not gonna I don't I don't even like flat raises with dumbbells really at that point sure. the one with the single arms it's not. That's cool. And everybody I've had do them, they, they're telling me it's different movement. A lot of people are just kind of funky, but you know, those that can do it and get a good feel out of it, it's like changing because, you know, I feel like not everybody can get everything out of a lat raise, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. So, that might be something lat- I should try out, you know, as soon as gyms open. Yeah, well, you know, they don't have 800-pound uh, kettlebells at most gyms, but, you know, you can figure it out, I guess. Yeah, you can. The problem with me would be is that I just so like with my grip the way it would be because of how i've trained for lateral raise to this point that kettlebell is just going to go straight out you know i'm just going to hold it like it it's just going to track to my hand so this yeah i don't know i'll see i'll see what i can do i'll I'll report back to you when that in four months when we're able to go and train again yeah rona season right How's your uh, the health and the, this is, all right? Let's let's say situational. How's how's everything going training and diet wise before the last two weeks? Or when did they shut? Are, are you still? Is your gym still open right now? No, no, it's been closed. It's been closed since last Monday. So honestly, it's kind of hard for me to judge how things are going because I kind of always am progressing. In one way or another, like I, in the last three years, I don't think there's been a period where I haven't been making a, prog- a progression on something somewhere at any point in time. So everything was going pretty well. I got my best RDLs, my best squats, best incline, like all my major movements. I hit peak weight for my best rep ranges in the last like month or so. 
So it was all going pretty well, but I also felt like a trash can doing it. So just where everything was going, I was doing a lot of crazy stuff. Just, I wasn't just doing stuff within, you know, normal, typical bodybuilding, quote unquote, no. ranges. So thrusts, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I was getting, I was getting to the point where like, kind of the way that my training ends up working for myself is that I go through periods of cycling rep ranges before I cycle out exercises if I can, unless I start finding that there's a problem with a specific exercise that is starting to cause me issues that I can't avoid. So if that is the case, then I need to switch. But if that isn't the case, I keep it in for as long as I can and just modify the rep ranges. And within any period of time that I'm trying to push against one rep range, I'll get to a point where I'll just hit like a maximum load that it'll just stop progressing anywhere. So after a couple of weeks of that, I dropped the rep range down a little bit and put heavier weight in my hands and then just try to match reps. And typically I always am able to do that. So you were at the end of it anyways, kind of, or? Well, no, that's just kind of how my training cycles run. So I kind of start with a higher, if I were to start, I don't know, a longer training period. Like if I were to look at a year, at the start of my planned training year, I'm going to start thinking, put, <laughs> just keep on, just keep on. For, for anyone that is just listening to this, he just put a, uh, a suction cup on his neck like he does every time. I can't. <laughs> Way, the way the camera is right now and I'm, I'm kind of like I'm slightly looking down but I'm standing because I don't want to be sitting down so my my posture isn't like I'm just, and it's just oh it's like running through my face and I had I had to throw a cup on they were right there and I, okay. I was trying to nonchalantly like oh let me just yeah yeah just kind of brushing your hair back like, uh, brushing my locks back but a big cup guy if y'all didn't know <laughs> that's to it anyway yeah so the way i structure a long training period is i'll start with a relatively higher rep, rep range for every single one of my sets and then i'll push at it and push at it and try to keep on progressing loads up until the top of the rep target and then i'll keep on trying to renew that rep target for as long as i can and keep on pushing more load for the same amount of rep, uh, reps but then at some point it'll get dry and it won't go anywhere so my first go-to after that point is to just take the first set of whatever exercise I'm doing and then drop it down one rep range target. So instead of like going from 10 to 12 reps is the top set, I'll take it down to like six to eight. And then I'll do work there. So then I'm actually moving a much heavier load than I was prior to, but then I'll just keep on pushing that until I can get it up to the top of that rep target and then beyond into the original one. So kind of the whole idea of taking a top set weight and making it a down set weight. There goes the suction cup. So that's just kind of the way I structure things. And as time was going on, using that kind of a structure, I mean, I've seen consistent progression all the way through with it. And then in the last month or so, I just wanted to see how far I could take it. So yeah, it seemed like I know I know you're saying lower reps, but I, I feel like you were doing 
I put him out. Well, I don't know. I don't remember the videos exactly, but I, I know the – like, eh, no, I guess it makes sense. No, because you were doing, like – it was, like – what was the squat video? What was the squat? It was, like, six to seven reps on one of the sets, I think, and then um, – Something crazy. It was something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For a while, I had progressed down to my top set was – usually I'd come in and hit a 675, and I'd do that for as many as I could, which was, like – a two usually if I could so that would be like an every other week attempt to get a new rep on 675 and then I would do a down set at 585 or six plates and then I would take that for as many as I could and that would be a six plus reps yeah time. so and that weight ended up becoming after that point I changed it to renewing the rep target like I was saying once I could make that, which was the six plate, that was a top set weight not very long ago. I didn't have a really good way of judging how much actual total load I could move because I'd get to the point where, what, 20, 30, 40 seconds into a set, I'd fail regardless of the weight that was on my back. So to that point, I could do, what, 545 and still fail at seven or eight. But then I could put 585 and still fail at six, seven, or eight. And then I could also do it with six, ten, six, fifteen, same thing, and still fail at six, seven, or eight. So, and I find that with myself specifically on a lot of exercises where there's, I have a really wide margin of loads that I can move for the same rep range. It's just how many times that I can repeat it is different. Uh so I end up going with if I'm really trying to save myself I might just pull myself down to what I'd consider a downset weight and just hit that for multiple sets or if I'm really going to go for it that day and I usually plan to it's always okay I got what I got six plates on my squat last time for the top of my rep range so let's go with six and a half and see if I can match it. Because I knew that I could move it, it's just a matter of how efficient I was at doing it. So the more times that I did it, the more reps I could get. It wasn't actually hitting my actual, the ceiling of my strength at all. It was just seeing how efficient I could get under the same relative loading, because it all felt the same. Yeah, you know, that. I, yeah, I know that, that whole difference between, you know, five and six plates doesn't feel like, Jesus Christ. Oh, so yeah, so yeah, that's something that I tend to I tend to see that in a lot of people now that I'm I'm training more people as well is that if you give somebody a rep target they'll just stop themselves kind of short of what they think they could do because that's all that they know how to do and they haven't experienced what the feeling of that extra loading is but if you force them to put more load in their hands or you teach them how to get confident under the weight that they're moving or the exercise. You get to a point with them that they're like, if I fail this, nothing happens. So just move it. And then they go, oh, I can do that. And I got the same amount of reps. Then they come back next week and they up the weight and they do it again and again and again. And they're like, this still feels hard, but I can still do the same amount of reps I could, I could originally do with 50 less pounds. Yeah. You're not changing ranges. You're just cha- are you just changing the weight then? You're just – how are you – you know, so let's let's say I approach you and you are 
you know, I'm saying, hey, I'm, I'm stuck at 315 for, for 10 reps. Yeah. How do I move up? Are you, are you saying, okay, go up to, you know, and I, I, maybe I can comfortably do, you know, 10 reps. That's fine. Yeah. And then up there. If you're saying, okay, bump up to, you know, 3.5, or are you saying bump up to like 335? 35. 35. 55. Range, or you think, I mean, I guess it probably depends on the person. Or, yeah. You know, but it'll depend on the person. And also, you kind of have to look at like what the actual cap is for their progression. So like if their cap at 315 is a true strength cap, that'll take a lot more for you to get like pushed through. But if it's a technique based strength cap, then you could move things around and change things. And I would not recommend that you change the loading all that much until which point you actually get what problem it is figured out. And then at that point, usually the weight will go up or the reps will go up anyway because your efficiency will be better. So, but if it is an actual strength cap, I would bring the weight higher, pull the rep target down, and then keep on getting more proficient at hitting that heavier weight. And then eventually that heavier weight will end up matching that original rep target that you couldn't have beaten before. You're, there's also this where if you think about volume as this isn't the actual, this isn't the fun, uh, functional definition of volume, but if you just look at it as the, um, the amount of times you move something and how much that thing weighed. So like it's reps times load. If you want to take it by set basis, if it's reps times load, then would it be easier for you to get another one or two reps on the end of a 10 rep set? Or would it be easier in total volume wise if you just added more weight to the bar and did it for less reps? Yeah, that makes sense. It's less total volume. Yeah. So if you're doing that less total volume, it's possible that that may be a factor in the, in the reason that you can actually get a little bit more a little bit more out of it relatively to just getting one more rep on that long set. If you were to just get more weight on a lesser length of the set. Moral of the story. Lift some more. Um, cool. 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 Want to talk about uh, Rona now? Want to get into Rona? Sure. Get it. I'm i uh, I'm very, well, God. All right. So anybody not watching this during during you know anybody watching this any time other than March 2020, um, basically I'm not gonna give a everybody's gonna know what the Corona is, right? I, I don't have to give a yeah. You don't, uh, have, to, you don't have to define it or anything. Okay. Well, cool. All right. So basically, the gyms are closed because of this uh, epidemic we're dealing with. So everybody is freaking out, working out at home, not working out at all. Nobody wants to go outside. Nobody wants to do anything. Um, we don't know how serious it is, but whatever. I don't know. Um, so basically, everybody's working out at home. Um, so it's a real interesting uh, time to be a bodybuilder. I know a lot of the shows in the near future are canceled, so a lot of people stop and prep. Um, and I feel like it's just a real, like I, I feel like most people. I know you were saying, and I, and I was saying it too. It's just training was going real well. You know, I feel like everybody was having a great time at the gym and now this is just smacking everybody. Yeah. Uh, it's real interesting to, 
you know. I mean, it's cool to be a part of, you know. I guess we're living through it. It's definitely a moment in history. Um, but as far as working out goes, it kind of sucks a little bit because um, even I, I like to do my cardio outside and go for walks, but now it's like you gotta, you just don't know, you know. So you gotta stay away from everybody, and you just, you know, it's busy. If I'm walking down the street and I just see like, a bunch of people everywhere, I'm like, keep that street, mate. Um, but home training, that's been interesting. I luckily have a bar, um, like 500 pounds and a dip station. So, uh, where I'm at, that's kind of, that's kind of dope for me because my training's mostly sumos, dips, and pull-ups, um, aside from rock climbing and casual bodybuilding workouts here and there, um, and a whole lot of lat raises, um, that's about it. So, I mean, even after this, I got a sumo session plan. I'm just going to be ripping some deadlifts in my basement. So, I'm kind of hyped for that. I, it's it's kind of – it's not the most ideal situation. I, I mean, I, I've always had this bar. I've had this bar for, like, two years. I just rarely use it. I like going to the gym. I feel like it's nice to get out of the house and have a set environment to go ham in. You know, right now I'm in my basement next to my laundry machine. It's not exactly motivating. Um so it's not ideal, but it's definitely a better situation than most people have at this point. I know some people that just don't even don't have a pair of weights, you know. Yep. That'd be me. Yeah. So what are you what are you doing? You lifting your cars now or going out and uh, throwing the gym? No. Doing absolutely, absolutely nothing. So Well, I guess probably a nice deload, maybe. No? Yeah, yeah. Since last Monday I decided I was gonna take a full two week deload off of any resistance training. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I have a bad habit of training really hard all the time. And then when I decide that I'm too beat up to continue, you know, progressing and feeling okay, I take a deload, but it ends up being a four days completely off deload. And then I just fill my time with other things that are also stressful. And I make that an opportunity because I didn't train that day. So I'm like, oh, I can stay up later to get some stuff done. Yeah. And then I stay up later and then I don't recover at all. And then the four days go by and I'm bored and I want to go back to the gym. So I go back to the gym and I've barely recovered at all from the deload. Yeah. And then I just resume what I was previously doing and smashing myself in the ground. Yeah. So I'm taking this time where I'm forced to do nothing other than, you know, just working with bands and body weight stuff, just to take it as an opportunity to finally get a full long period of time where I'm not crushing myself. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you got, you do have a good amount of bands. You could probably, you know, with those gray ones, you could probably do some damage. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I plan I'm, to, I plan you know, to, after this two weeks is up, I'm going to be killing it with those bands. Do you know the, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the blue band that I have that I keep in my gym bag for the hack squat. Yep. All right. So I have, all right. For you guys that don't know, I, we, I'm big, we're big. I don't know if you still, I'm assuming you still do it or you don't really have a hack squat. So I don't know, but I, since you showed me uh, reverse band hack squats like two years ago, it's been nothing but that, that if I'm, if I'm training legs, it's, it's sumos and hack squats, reverse banded is the only option. Uh, and I have this blue band that I have tied, to fit that hack squat, the Nautilus hack squat. 
and I haven't untied it for over over two years. It's been the first time I did that was it, and then it's set and it's done. I just keep my gym bag tied so when I hack squat, it's done. Uh, but I might have to untie it now and actually do something with it. That's unfortunate. You got any questions? Oh yeah, yeah. Questions. Related questions, all right. Yep, yep, we got them. We got them right here. Get those out of the way then. We'll bust them out. All right. So with 90% of these all being related to how you how you're gonna train without going to a gym. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, we've, we've, we've kinda, we kind of covered that as far as what you specifically do, but. I mean, I got some thoughts on it, you know. Go for it. Um, again, I've got a bar, so I'm going to be good personally. I'm not going to really, I don't think I'm going to have too many issues. And honestly, what I'm planning on doing, because I just, it's not an ideal situation for, for body training to just be doing thousands of dips and pull-ups and not too much else. I just feel that's. That's that's not the most productive thing, but you know, I mean, it'll work. It'll hold me over. Um, but I mean, have some sort of body weight, like like upper workout, whatever, every other day, and then every other day from that, I'm just going to be doing sumos, like rest days as needed, not stress it too much, and that'll be into that. Hopefully, gyms open up within you know a month or two or until I maybe I might have to do some investing in some kettlebells or some extra. Um, also, I just put an order in today because um, my basement has uh, like the foundation walls are kind of like open in this one area, um, going downstairs and then across. So I got this big section of wall. I bought uh, cement glue and rock climbing poles, and I'm just gonna slap those on and just have like a, a nice bouldering wall set up so I can get <laughs> more, uh, climbing stimulation in. Because honestly, dude, there's still nothing like that that destroys me uh and it's so hard and i it's just it makes exercising fun because then i can go and do that and then i can work out and then i'm like twice as motivated to actually do an upper body workout after that um but for a lot of people who don't have weights or anything it's i mean you, I mean, you posted who? Uh, who was that guy in your story? Deadlifting, uh, or not? Oh. Uh, fighting a yeah. wall. Yeah, that's uh, his name's Pete. Pete Stark. Yeah. Yeah, Pete Stark at Pete Strong Motivation on Instagram. The client of mine, and he sent me <laughs> sent me a video of yeah. He was he was doing a hack squat. Yeah, yeah I was seeing. That. I was like, is that a hack squat? Yeah, yeah. He was doing a hack squat. He just picked up this giant log. And was holding it like this. And then he had a blue band, like one of the elite FTS blue bands. That's like crazy heavy resistance. Just had that around his neck and his feet. And okay, he was yep, okay. squatting with his back against the wall of his shed. And it hacks, man. And it hacks. Yeah, that was sweet. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, like we're, we're humans and we can pick stuff up. You know, it's, it's, it's not ideal, but we're not in an ideal situation. So... Why not go outside and pick something up heavy, you know? Like, I don't know. Yep. I feel like yeah, there's ways at the end of the day, you can still do, you know, a set of push-ups till failure, and that's going to, you know, mess you up. If, if that's all you want to do, all you can do, I mean, I don't know. Look around my room right now. I can a giant mirror right here. 
you know, got a handle on the back. I could do lat raises with that. It'd be uncomfortable and probably awkward for the first couple reps, but I could if I wanted to, you know, just yeah. find something to hold on to and keep the movements. It's not going to be ideal as long as you keep the same movements for the most part. I got a, I got a dresser over here, like a small dresser, little, little cubby holes. I could, I curl my dresser, you know? Yeah. It's not ideal, but I could do it. Yeah. That's just, be you know i feel like there's plenty of ways to get around it um if you don't have weights yeah or you know if you have bands only i've seen a lot of those that's another thing i bet there's a lot of companies making bank right now on those bands you see those instagram ads for the the, the doorway band thing yeah like, the ones that aj was putting as his affiliate code yeah jesus it's it's non-stop so i it's there's ways to do it, and if there's not, it's really not that expensive to get yourself a pair of bands. Or, I mean, kettlebells. I was looking at prices. That's that's still the same as you know. It's like a, a dollar a pound or a little more. I can get a pair of kettlebells for like sixty bucks and call it a day. Yeah. Plus thousand. Yep. As long as they're not sold out. We'll see. All home gym equipment is pretty. It's on the kettlebells. I think. You know? I think all shipping time for like amazon is now oh it's ridiculous yeah like i was saying i bought my ramen like two months ago ramen prices have gone through the roof that's the one thing i was like actually no you can't even buy ramen right now it's, it's straight up sold out like last week there was there were like 15 bucks for a pack that was normally five bucks that was outrageous to me now they're gone like you can't even buy it. so luckily i'm stocked up for my ramen thank you covid i actually got a stock of like over 30 pounds of chicken. What? Well, yeah. Because you said, how you've just been like driving around looking for chicken because you said yeah. the wagon house is like sold out. Yeah. There's no grocery store within like a 30 minute drive of me that had any chicken for like the last week and a half. So I've been living off of whatever I could find. Is it empty like where you're at? Like all the meat's gone, right? Yeah. I haven't, I've been, I've been in one grocery store in the past like, six weeks um because i've been freaking out about this before i was freaking out before um but the uh, i've seen pictures and i have a friend who works um uh, maybe she's watching it i don't know alicia what up um if she if she sees it i don't know but she works at uh Wegmans and she sent me a picture like like last week maybe two weeks ago of the like the back room after they opened it was like empty, like the, the meat cooler, you know? Like, I don't know if you ever worked in like food service or anything, but you know, like the pallets that they put like chicken wing boxes on or chicken boxes on, you seen like the, the 40 pound chicken box, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, like a good 20 foot stretch wall of just empty pallet, you know, it's like ridiculous. And that was, that was like two weeks ago. Now it's, I've seen pictures of all the stores. I think you even, or somebody sent a picture in the chat, but it was like empty. You know, it's just, we've never had to do anything like that. It's crazy, you yeah. know? Yeah. You see stuff, nothing. stuff, but now it's everywhere, you know? Yep. There's no, there's no proteins, like any yeah. protein sources, protein. like they're all gone. The only things that are still there is like really, really expensive red meat and some fish. That's really all good. it is. Huh? Yeah, that's 
you know, we eat good now. We're forced yeah. to. Yeah. Um, it's, been, it's been weird. Whey. Huh? Have you seen the prices for whey? No. Last tub of whey I bought, because I had to buy – I had to buy one. I didn't. I didn't like the flavor. I bought. I don't know. I don't want to get into this with all the way stuff. But birthday cake flavored way. Yeah. Vanilla flavored way. That tastes a little bit more like cardboard. That's all it is. All right. Don't don't do it. Don't do it. I got this nice tub of uh, diamondized five pound ISO way, and it tastes like garbage. So I wanted to buy another one because I just I, I want to keep like one spare, you know. So I got like half of that and then one full tub at all times. Um, but the last tub of protein I bought was like 70 bucks for a five pounder. And that's, that's what you pay for like top of the line. Yeah. Garbage. You know, dimatize, like, you know, the dimatize isolate, right? Yeah. Like that's quality stuff, you know, but it's like 55, 60 bucks, yeah. like 70 bucks. Now it's yeah. Not a fan of that. Not a fan of my weight going up. No, I'm going to have to restock soon too. So that's discouraging. But I guess it's the times, huh? Yeah. It's the times. What time? All right. Now, this was all off of the question of how would you train if gyms are closed? All right. Yeah. yeah. Off topic. All right. But it's, yeah. 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 Uh, So So, train, I. You pretty much covered it. I can, yeah. Yeah, you pretty much covered it. Um, The only thing that I would would really add is, well, a couple of things. If you're, like you said, if you're beginner, intermediate-ish of a trainee, meaning that you're not moving on godly loads when you're actually (laughs) training, and like moving any sort of in-house object is going to be almost like you moving air. Like if you're in a position like that and you're in an extremely advanced trainee, you're going to get very little um, in terms of actual progression from this. Super distracting. All right. Sorry. So if you're an advanced trainee, you're going to get very little in the way of progression right now just because like the actual magnitude of what it is that you need to do to get a stimulus for you to actually progress is so high, you're not going to be able to reach that even if you go to failure a hundred times doing a body weight movement or a banded movement without any extra loading. So to think if you're an act, a true, so I, I mean this when I say this, a truly advanced trainee right now, your best option is to take time to work on things that you're not good at. You're extremely good at this point at weight training. So right now, that's not something that you need to be horribly engrossed in trying to fill the gap. If you're extremely good at weight training, it's very likely that you slack on cardio, you slack on general mobility, flexibility, and the like. And you probably lack on mental health to some degree, because if you made it to that point of being an advanced trainee, you're probably a little bit unhinged. Yes, sir. So it's such a solid, like anybody listening to this, if there's one thing you take away from this podcast, it's probably that for this, for this Rona season that we're dealing with. Cause honestly, you know, it's like, we're, if you're into it, 
you're not going to be making crazy progressions. You just have to accept that. Like we're we're in a bad situation, but yeah, that, yeah. you know. Yeah. So that, right now, if you are in that position and you are a truly advanced trainee, your time is better spent working on things that you can really do very well and make actual changes to to progress on other than your weight training proficiency. You can do a whole lot of other things that will help you to improve that when you get back to it. Like I said, your cardiovascular capacity and mobility, stability, all that stuff. And especially your mental health, because seriously, to take care of that. It won't get you very far if you start, you know, hitting the ends of your rope there. Um, but if you're not an advanced trainee and you're a beginner to intermediate or anywhere in between in the shade of the gray of all of that, then it's very likely you still can get quite a bit out of this time. It's just going to be in a method that you're not really used to or a method that you don't prefer. So whether or not you prefer to do it doesn't matter that much. If you have the ability to continue to progress in this time, you should be. So if you have a coach or you do not have a coach, you should be looking to still incorporate all of the basic movements. So just the main six, vertical push, vertical pull, horizontal push, horizontal pull, and then a squatting movement, and then a hip hinging movement, and then also just lunging or unilateral movement through the hip. So like all those things should be included in one way or another in any sort of a plan holistically, maybe if you're not doing a full body plan, which I would recommend doing one of each of those movements for every day and then moving forward from that point hitting it probably one two or three times a week now again full body is going to be a better decision for you to use rather than doing like an upper lower or trying to continue with a push pull legs or a body part split right now because like i said with not having the equipment available to us and not having the the weight total that we could usually use to get the stimulus we're looking for, then if you don't have the tools, you kind of have to modify your approach. And your approach right now is just going to be to emulate what you could do in the best way possible and continue to hit failure points. So if you're not hitting any sort of proximity to failure right now, then the likelihood that you're going to have high enough intensity, quote unquote, for you to retain muscle tissue is going to be very low. So right now you can throw your RIR based training out of the window for the time so that you can actually retain tissue. So if you're holding back right now, just doing, just doing band curls for X amount of reps, that is you have no idea how far away from actual failure you, you might be. You could be miles and miles away and you wouldn't know because you may have an arbitrary plan of how many reps you're trying to hit. Yeah. Can't so just take it for as long as you can until you just can't move. And then repeat maybe once more, twice more, and move on. And then move on to a different complete exercise. Because right now, there's also the fact that to progress is not the main goal at this moment, although it's possible. The bare minimum needs to be done for you to be keeping muscle tissue. And maintenance volume on anything is far lower than what it would be for you to actually progress on something. 
So you hitting the bare minimum of just hitting all of the basic movement patterns in one way or another, hitting a failure point or two, and then moving on, and then just repeatedly hitting that across periods of weeks, doing that a couple of times a week, throughout the week, every week, for as long as this is going on, the chances that you're gonna lose any muscle tissue is going to be extremely low, as long as you're actually still on top of your nutrition. So for anybody that's been out of their mind worrying about this, because pretty much I posted up a question sticker, and this is where the questions are coming from for this podcast. But the majority of everything that I got was about how to modify training during this time that we're all kind of screwed out of our normal, our normal gym uh, environment and the tools that we are usually able to use. This is really it. This is it. So basic synopsis, if you're advanced, you'll probably do a lot better by taking this time to force yourself to deload and rest. Spend your time doing other things that will set you up for a better foundation later. Work on mobility, work on stability work, work on just basic getting your life in order, getting cardio done, and then just moving on with life and just take, just chilling a little bit. Because you guys just continuing to train through, it may not get you the return that you need. And I said this was a short synopsis, didn't I? Wow. I mean, these are all very valid points. I think you can keep going. So if you're intermediate or beginner, you can still progress. But at the very minimum, you should be doing the same thing the advanced guys are doing, is taking the extra time that you do have available to you to do other things that you've been slacking on. And then also get in the basic movements push, pull, vertical and horizontal, a lunge or a split leg movement, squat and a hip hinge. In doing those multiple times a week, hitting failure on most of your movements. That's gonna be your best option regardless of the equipment that you have available to you, whether you're moving your furniture, whether you're using bands only or you're using body weight only, whatever it is that you have available to you that you have, it will still do something. Because maintenance of muscle tissue is a whole lot easier than progressing it. And if you're very, very limited on what you can do, that at least can be done. But that always runs under the caveat that you need to have your nutrition down. If you're not fulfilling your protein needs right now, which is especially hard with the food shortages that we're getting, or rather than technically it's not food, food shortages, actually. It's just people hoarding all of the food before anybody can get to the shelves. Mm-hmm. But if you're having a scarcity problem of trying to get the resources that will give you the protein, you need to find other ways to get it, which is easier said than done. But as long as that's in place, the likelihood of you losing tissue right now is pretty much null. So everybody can kind of chill out and just accept this time that we're all going to go crazy to somewhat of a degree because this is what we do and we really enjoy it. This is the hobby that we've chosen. For some people, it's part of our profession. A lot of us, it's regardless of those other things, it's a stress reliever for us. So at some point, we're gonna come off the hinges. But no need to jump the gun on it because we have the time now to do something that we are given the rare opportunity to do, and that's chill out. Just chill. Yeah, I almost honestly do. I almost don't want to say anything because that was all very 
very spot on. I don't even know if there's anything to add to that. I mean, it's granted, you know, like you said, as long as nutrition is, you know, at least optimal, you know, it's, it's, the rest can be done for the most. If it can't be, that's just, you know, that's just where we're at. There's nothing we can do about it, you know, so. You know, actually let's, let's define that too for, for the nutrition during this time. Mm -hmm. So like, as far as just, I'm not going to talk about actually getting protein sources because we actually kind of talked about that already. Like just protein is expensive right now because it's in high demand. Chicken is almost impossible for you to get your hands on. Fish is somewhat available if you can find it and you can afford it. Red meat is kind of still there because people can't typically afford it. So if you can, go for it. But treat yourself. Yeah. As far as like macros go or just general management, right now, if you're like Jake is here, he's working from home now, he has the opportunity. Huh? I might still open. I missed you there. What? My office is still open. So I'm working like um like partial we're doing like a split office kind of thing so it's but technically i'm still working because it's deemed essential um i could do most of the work from home but honestly i feel like i'd have to go to the office next week but, um, but yeah i'm 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 working all right anyway same idea though if you're working from home now and that's a change for you then it could go one of two ways. Either you're a lot more active because you have the opportunity to do things whenever you want and you can schedule in times during your day to go and do stuff. So you can go and just take an extra walk outside for a half an hour and you can just plan that in and that makes it easier for you to be more active than you normally would. Or the other way, you're working from home now so you're just always working or you end up getting lazy and you just kind of sit around and then your activity goes down. Mm -hmm. That will change what your nutrition needs are going to be, obviously. So prior to this point, if you were trying to push your calories and trying to bulk, right now is probably not your best time to continue to do that. Just because of the fact that what do you think you're doing with those calories now? Mm -hmm. That you're not, you're not doing what you intended to do with those calories at this point. If you're not actually training to the degree that you were training beforehand, so, and that's assuming that everything was good in the first place and the amount of surplus you were in was actually appropriate, which nobody ever really knows. And for the most of us, it's a completely inappropriate amount of a surplus anyway. And, <laughs> but that's a whole other thing. Yeah, we can go up on that some other time. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be a separate topic. But, yeah, long one. but if you were bulking prior to this and your activity is down, and the training that you're doing is now basically just maintenance training or, you know, significantly easier in most ways, just because it's body weight bands, light equipment. Now is not the time for you to continue to push your heaviest peak bulk calories. Mm -hmm. And it's probably going to be hard for you to get all those in because food is scarce as well. So it would be a good opportunity to just keep protein where it is, where it always should be for you as close as you can. And then bring back your calories down to where it's essential. So wherever it is that your calculated rough maintenance would be, sit around there and don't touch it for now. Mm -hmm. That would be the best thing as a blanket general statement 
which obviously will have some caveats to it depending on the person because obviously it depends is our catchphrase as is everyone else in the space. But for as far as it doesn't depend, now is not the time for you to be pushing calories. It's not gonna be doing exactly what you want it to do in most cases. Unless of course you're a complete beginner and right now you may be doing the most novel training you've ever done and it may be crazy for you. But that, that's also, I'd assume that they're not listening to us. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. That's probably not an assumption we can make, but. We'll see. But yeah. I'm going to try to, oh, no, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying what a, what a time to start lifting, you know. Of all the times to get into bodybuilding, there's probably, and honestly, there are probably a good amount of people that are going to be getting into it because it's, you know, think about how many home workout videos you're seeing now. Yeah. Maybe but there's probably a good amount of people that are like, huh, I guess I can work out. You know, I might as well. Yeah. You know, so we'll see. I, mean, I bet there's going to be a good amount of newcomers. Yeah. We'll see. Definite positive to all this. So we'll see what, oh, actually once, once the gym's open back up. Oh my yeah. God. Maybe, maybe they'll just stick to the home workouts. Yeah. And the gym will be the, as the gym always was. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Never had, we don't know, you know? Yeah. We won't know until it happens. Now, back to it. On the flip side of things, if you were cutting, and especially if you were, like, prepping for a competition. So many people. Yeah, which really, really sucks. Those people. That, uh, Do you uh, have clients that were prepping? No, but I, I have a buddy of mine. Dowdy's going to watch it. Tyrell, if you're watching it. He was, like, two weeks out, you know? You know? He was, like... At, at that point, and he, yeah, that was it. That sucks. <laughs> then Rona happened, so. That sucks. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's nothing really that we could do about that other than if you can stick it out and you can kind of, if you can get to your actual stage condition, if you were going to compete, mm -hmm. get close within running distance to it, and then step yourself back just so that you can maintain a relatively good uh, condition for a long period of time. By the time that this is over with, you'll probably be sitting in that condition for four or six weeks before things will open up again. But if you're like sitting in LG's condition and you got, you know, pretty much two weeks out anyway. I feel like I could step on stage in like two weeks if I really wanted to. Yeah. But if I cardio and just, just did a, a quick drop and then uh, load, I'd be, uh, yeah. Yeah. What a this is a weird spot to be in, but I, I dig it. It's unreal. What, what position are in? The past couple of days, I've been feeling real like, I'm sure it'll change once I go hit the sumo session once we're done. But like, oh, I'm not a fan of how I feel right now. Just, I feel like I'm like, I already feel like I'm disintegrating, you know? Just because I haven't had a crazy, crazy workout in a couple of days. So it's an interesting spot spot to be in you know yeah so if you were competing if you have if you still have it in you after getting you know punched directly in the stomach from corona right now that everything has been canceled and the thing that you've been working for for so long is now out of reach for an indefinite period of time still have the heart to stay in it pull yourself back a little bit so that you know exactly how much time it would take for you to get ready stay that far away in condition 
and then just wait for things to open back up. And then hopefully by the summertime, there will be something that you can compete in again. Um, if not, then I don't know. My recommendation, at least, I don't think in that sort of condition for all that long period of time would be a good idea. So if it gets to like May time and it still wasn't opening back up again, I definitely wouldn't continue if it was me just because I would be more concerned with just staying sane and keeping yeah. tissue on me that it would just not be feasible anymore and I would abort. But if that's not the case, I would definitely push through until that point just so that you could, you know, not throw away all the work that's already been done. Um, if you're just doing a casual cut though, it may also be a good idea for you to either, one, if you're not in super drastic, like the hard days of pushing it, you could probably continue. But yeah. if you are in those hard days, it might be a time for you to kind of pull it back just a little bit. You know, drop the rate of loss slightly so that you're not pushing super hard while you have a higher possibility of losing tissue from not training quite quite the way that we need to be. And then just kind of accepting the loss where we're going to be moving a little bit slower right now, but the whole world is. So that would be my recommendation at least. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just weird to even have to, you know, we've never had to deal with this. So it's like, honestly, I wouldn't, if you're prepping right now, you know, let's say right now you're two weeks up, you know, exactly like you said, I would just pull back and it's just try and either plan for another show or, I mean, that honestly, that show that's two weeks away from now, it's not going to be, odds are it's just going to be canceled or rescheduled or, you know, done for the foreseeable future. We're not, we don't know. And honestly, I... I don't again because you know we don't know we're not we're not professionals but I feel like it's not gonna it's gonna be a couple months you know I feel like before everything's back to semi-normal I don't I'm hoping for a, a normal summer at this point you know maybe because we don't we don't know how bad it's gonna get you know who knows what it could be even you know next week because yeah. there's a chance I have it on me right now chance you have it on you right now you don't even know you know it's it's just such a crazy thing to live through yeah. um uh, i mean if you know if, if shows are can i feel like aren't, isn't there like a big show coming up in the ifbb right now that's still on or wasn't there just one that they didn't like i saw stage picture was like wait this can't be right now but it was uh arnold's no no no, no. um which that was crazy too because I we didn't really go over that at all, but like the, the what I <laughs> that's weird, you know, no crowd. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Man. It's I feel like if, if personally, if I was two weeks out, would probably just pick another show. <laughs> you know, yeah. I would pick another show, or for a situation like this where we don't really know, you know, I'd probably just do. You know, like if, if I really wanted to hold on, if I had it dead set in my head that I was going to you know, maybe hold condition for a while, but at, at the end of the day, it's like, we really don't know. <coughs> Excuse me, that's the corona coming through. Yeah. All right, now, let's see if we can tackle a second question. 
Okay. All right. From Jordan Woodward. You can split this up into body parts, uh, but how many exercises would you say is optimal to do each session to have most benefits for hypertrophy and strength? So uh, how many exercises, how many movements? What is it? Yeah, how many exercises? I mean, each set. This, I guess I'm, I'm just going to defer that. It, it depends, you know, like for, for a lot, I'll just use me because I'm a great example of this. I don't need, for what I'm doing now, as far as, you know, I, again, not now because of Corona, but ideally, and if we're referring to gym or whatever, like my last, the last maybe two months of my leg training have just been um, sumos and hack squats. And for the most part, I mean, maybe a hamstring movement. So I, an ideal leg workout for me is, you know, aside from warm up cardio, all that, the movements themselves in the gym that I'm doing, sumos, and then a ham curl, and then hack squats. So, example I want to use is the hack squats. At that point, I'm already warm. I did my hamstrings before, my blood and back my knees, I'm good, warm, nothing's going to go wrong, ideally. Go right into a set with, you know, my, my almost a working set. That's top right into three plates. That's where I start. Do a set, make sure I'm warm, good to go. Go right into a working set. The last time I was on a hack, it was maybe like a six minute set. You know, it, and that's, that was it. I did, I did my set and I got off. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, this is actually, I was, I was really proud of this one. It was uh, 30, 30 reps with four plates reverse banded, uh, pause, two second negative, one second hold, um, one second positive. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Honestly, yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> It, it took, I, I have the video, it took like six or seven minutes, it was ridiculous. Um, yeah, so, and, but that was, that was it. I would, I would count that entire exercise as being one set. You know, I do my warm-up set, but then I have one working set. So it depends on how, how you, how you structure it. I didn't need anything else after that. That was three, three workouts. The hamstring was literally just a pump to get blood in my hamstring. That was it. Um, and that's completely dependent on, you know, the training I'm doing or was doing. Um, I mean, I don't know. That's such a complicated question. You know, it's, it's, I, it's just, you can take it however you want. What's going to matter the most is going to be, you know, intensity and execution. You can sit there and scream, but if you don't do as many reps as you can, it's not going to make a difference or put in, you know, the most, you know, it, you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's, so is it, again, is the question then, is it how, how many exercises you should do per session? Session? Session. It's going to depend. That's going to be my answer. I'm going to say it's going to depend on what you can do, the exercises you have and your intensity. You could do a million exercises, you know, but if, if you're, What's the point of 
trying to max out on flat bench with dumbbells and then going to try to have a productive set on a flat barbell, you know, if you've already completely spent yourself, it's, it's not worth the extra, like, oh, but I wanted to do this. Oh, but I can't because I'm absolutely trashed after that. No, just putting a period on that, just barring redundancy. Yeah. Yeah. Barring redundant exercises completely, then how many? It depends. Yeah, it's going to depend. Yeah. Yeah. So I think part of this question, too, is that it asks for how many exercises should you do per session optimally, quote unquote, is in the question. Um, I have my own gripes about using that word anyway. But each session to have the most benefits for hypertrophy and strength. So there's a distinction there where if you're going for one, like they're not one-to-one -one correlated, the two variables, okay? So for you to have the optimal quote-unquote program for strength, it's not going to be identical to the optimal program for hypertrophy that's just not going to be the case. Yeah. So of course that also comes at what point is that actually a viable answer? So in my opinion, for the first couple of years of training, that should be pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. Strength training and hypertrophy training is going to be pretty much identical to one another, other than the fact that if you're specifically trying to be a strength athlete, there is there is a lot of merit to spending a little bit more time in the hypertrophy-based athlete at trying to get good at the the act of doing a one rep mm -hmm. So Bigger muscle, muscle, potentially. Yep, potentially. So mm -hmm. for the first couple of years, things should look pretty similar. And then once you hit a point where you're – hitting the walls of where just actual proficiency of what you have to do is your limit. And then after, like you've hit the limit of how much your technical proficiency will give you more pounds on the bar. And then at, after that point, you have to have a little bit more hypertrophy based training or a little bit more technique based training for you to keep on pushing the progression in one direction or another. So it's kind of a, it's a dynamic system of what's going to work best for whatever period of time that you're in. So there again, it's an it depends statement. It depends. So wherever you are in your own development is going to change what that answer is. What your programming looks like at any one point in time is not like it's it's the adage, what got you here won't get you to the next level. It may have gotten you this far, but it's doing the same things all the time won't always get you to, to the next step. So that next tier of performance or the next tier of hypertrophy may entail doing things that are completely different from what got you to where you are already, barring the fundamentals that always have to be in place. So the methods will always be changing over time, depending on where it is that you are in your progression itself. So being that that is the case, this question is hard to answer in any definitive way. I feel like for, for future podcast or future questions or anything we should we should preface or maybe i don't know maybe it'd be 
more ideal to have individuals kind of like state off what what exactly their uh, like conditions are. I, I, you know, I don't I don't or, know if that'll be like preface like this is somebody like assuming this is somebody who is well trained, or maybe maybe we, we should do like assuming this is somebody who's well trained versus somebody who's not. You know. Yeah. To get a to get a better answer, but yeah, but we'll also we can also just answer it that way anyway. So like, yeah. um, as you get to being a more advanced trainee and things do end up changing for you, hypertrophy based training and strength based training for those specific adaptations will look very different. So, and also being a strength athlete, you're going to spend a little bit less time doing varied movements so hypertrophy based training basically the point is for us to stimulate muscle tissue by doing what the muscle's action is so loading whatever muscle it is by pulling it from a stationary one end the origin side of the muscle pulling the insertion towards the origin over and over again under load is basically what we're doing as a strength athlete we're not looking to do that. We're looking to use everything synergistically to move the biggest load through space, which isn't the same thing. So the movements that you need to get done for like hypertrophy-based training, you could do a much more varied approach with what, you're, what, what are you doing there? I, I still have my, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, it's fine. You'll have, for a hypertrophy-based training, you could use a much more varied approach and get a very, very similar response at the end. Because you could use varied implements, you could use machines, not machines, this thing or that, barbells mostly, dumbbells, whatever ends up working for you, or doing a eclectic combination of all of those things at varying degrees of utilization of all of them. Everybody can have a, a different way of going about it, but they can get to relatively the same point in development relative to their best potential. So that is true more for hypertrophy athletes than it is for strength athletes. You continue to push the limits of your strength and the more advanced you get into doing that, the more things that you just can't avoid doing. So like there's, you can't avoid having to do your basic movements that you will be testing in, in competition doing them more frequently or doing very close analogous movements to them so that you can strengthen yourself at the places that you're weak, not just necessarily muscularly, but technique wise, or, you know, working on, you know, manipulating whatever it is you have to do for you to get better at the sport that you're actually participating in. So those two things that it's not the same for hypertrophy and strength athletes. Hypertrophy, you can continue to just use varied methods to get to the same goal because really what we're looking for is just increasing muscle mass. And as long as you're stressing muscle tissue, they will, they will continue to stimulate the same processes to get there. Strength is a little bit different where it's all context dependent, movement dependent. You have to do better in the specific context doing the movement than it is that you're being tested on for you to get actually a better, to, to be a better strength athlete. So the things that you need to do are going to end up being very specific to what that is at that point. And everybody's different needs for what they're missing in their strength or what their limiters are is all going to be different from each other too. So that could play into how many exercises or what exercise, how varied they are 
what kind of patterns you need to do, what things you're very proficient at or your leverages are you know, favorable for that you need to spend less time doing, like all those things will take into account. So if I can make any sort of general sweeping recommendations here, um, I definitely wouldn't recommend just throwing all of my eggs into one basket on one exercise or two exercises and just continuing to do those. Like if your, if your volume tolerance for, I don't know, what we'll just use chest, I guess. If your volume tolerance is like, I don't know, 10 good sets in a week, then maybe it might be a better idea that you do that total volume by splitting it across maybe yeah. a bench of some kind, maybe an incline, a dip press, or you know something that's varied so that you can get continually, like you can move, in my own anecdotal experience, what I've seen in others, is if I'm going to sit down to do one exercise, first set's gonna be really strong. Second set, it's gonna be really hard to repeat that kind of performance. Third set, it comes down even more significantly. And then it kind of levels off at some point. You just kind of continue on until you can't move anymore. If you vary the exercise and you do one or two quality sets on one, and then you move on to another pattern that's similar, that hits the same muscles, does it in a slightly different way, you can come at that a little bit more fresh. Then you can get relatively higher quality work out of that than you would the third set of whatever the first exercise was. So again, I wouldn't throw all my eggs into one basket doing just one exercise and calling it a day, and then just adding more sets onto that. And then just doing on a push day, you just do one exercise for just general, I don't know, you just do an incline press and then that's all for your compound pressing. And that's it, like you're just good. Now, if you figure that your volume is good there and you just do incline press only, and you have to do 10 sets of incline press in that session, and then you do nothing else, that's probably not a very viable option. Also doing 12 different exercises at one set each, probably not gonna be the greatest option either. You probably would wanna meet somewhere in the middle where you have a couple of different movement patterns that are similar to each other that accomplish the goal that you're trying to achieve, but you're doing it in a way that you can actually address, I don't know, different relative muscle fiber lengths. So you hit some exercises that are primarily in the shortened position of loading for muscle tissue, and then also mid-range or lengthened bias loading on exercises so you can get the full range then you could look at just moving in different ways from one another and changes in relative loading. So doing a incline barbell press is gonna be a very heavily loaded exercise for most people, especially because that, that's the goal, to so move the most load, do it, do it well. That will have a, it's loaded similarly to what like an incline fly would be, but it's significantly less loading so doing something that would work in a way that doesn't put you as much risk towards the near end of the session 
where you have the highest possibility of injuring something, that might be also a good idea too, instead of just doing 12 sets of incline press. So again, I would recommend not doing just one exercise and filling all your volume with it. I would do something that's in the middle, do a couple of exercises that are somewhat analogous to each other that accomplish slightly different goals with each one that you can push similarly hard every time instead of just petering yourself out and getting you know less and less out of every set that you do. And then try to vary what the actual purpose of every exercise is. So you're hitting different things. You don't want to ever be incomplete in what you're doing. So I don't know. Probably got a lot of platitudes and generalizations in there that I probably should clarify, but I think I monologued for long enough. So maybe if there's more questions on that and want me to actually talk a little bit longer and say more specific things, hit me up after this and we, we can get back on and talk about it. Cool. All, All right. right. Uh, I know though, let me see. We're past eight here. Yeah. Um, do you have to get how about how about we um, I don't know let's see if we can find a good question cap things off with looking for it and then while we're waiting here I have the idea for like a, I'm gonna untie that band I don't know where that was in the uh, in the, the podcast but hopefully that that's somewhere that we, it wasn't cut um, but I want to untie that band and the way the way all my weights are right now it's in the basement so like the staircase down think of if I can like kind of kneel on it almost and then have like the band attached on some or like weighed down at the bottom and then I can be up a couple steps you know and then put the band around my ankles and then curl it that way <coughs> that's that Rona, dude, it's really getting me. Um, yeah, I feel like that might be a, a hand movement right there. Or even anything, if, it, if it's not, I can do single leg with that. With it, because it's just a blue. We'll see. I might try. All right. Um, let's see. Favorite ways to progress? Percentage base, going to failure, and adding reps, ETC. Um, I mean, you know, you know, you know the answer for me. I know the answer. You know, no, I'm a big failure guy. Um, I don't. Uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, if I can, I'd, I'd much. I mean, best example, the hex. You know, big hex guy. Um, I'd much rather do a set where I have to push myself and like get in my head and take it to absolute failure i feel like that's you know it, it's that's just how that's how i would do it that's how personally i do it i don't i don't know if it's i mean i know a lot of people can't really go there or don't like to or i mean it's not it's nothing not ideal to go there every session um but if you can take a set to absolute failure where you're you know freaking out and you, you have to get off the, the machine and sit there and shake and and just 
breathe for like 10 minutes before you can even do anything. Uh, really pushing your body to that point. Um, at least to, to get to failure to progress on a set would be, you know, ideal. That's how I would do it. Um, but again, it's not ideal um, long-term eating, you burnt out. Um, but that's normally how I do it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, what about, what about <laughs> so what you, on my end of things, I guess I can agree mostly cause that's kind of what I do, but in, I know you've done other things. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I've done a whole lot of different, different ways of going about doing this. I've done like full RAR scaling, tried it all, gone failure every set and just, you know, I, I've done pretty much everything as far as this goes. Um, to answer the first piece of this though, um, for Adam Nikat, who asked the question, I don't really do a specific percentage based um, anything. I don't calculate based off of percentages because I'm not a strength athlete primarily. So, because you're going to be doing things based off of a one, a one rep max percentage. If you're going off of a one rep max percentage, that means that you have to be pretty practiced at actually hitting a real one rep max. If you're not actually sure that your one rep max was a true one rep max because your efficiency on whatever that movement was that you tested wasn't up to par for you to actually, you know, display true 100% of your strength capacity, then you have a false number. So if you don't know what your actual 100% one rep max is, then everything that you take a percentage of is going to be lower than what it should be because you weren't able to exert your actual true one rep max strength. Um, also, I mean, it depends on what exercises that you're choosing to do this with because yeah. how practical is it for you to do a one rep max calculation on a tricep extension? Like, it's, it's not. Mm -hmm. It's not useful. So, I mean, it, that's definitely a straw man argument. Um, if this guy was actually asking specifically, you know, just for the big movements, which I can understand, but just to get it out there and say it anyway, doing a, a percentage of something where you have absolutely no way of testing a true one rep max or even getting a good estimate of it, it's not useful. So doing percentage-based training when it's a power, like a powerlifting or strength specific type training, then it can be useful to you. Because it's a way for you to modulate what it is, like how much load, how close to your actual maximum percentage of work you can actually do in any period of time so that you can scale how much stimulus you're getting, how much fatigue you're accumulating during the block so that you can actually, you know, progress on exactly what it is that you're trying to progress at the time. So if you're not careful with that, you're always pushing all the way to failure on every set and you're trying to be a strength athlete, then any sort of intelligently made programming that you've tried to build for a long, any sort of a long period of time is going to be useless to you because you're going to accumulate way too much fatigue across that block that whatever grandiose idea you had for what your performance would be at the end of that block is going to be completely out of reach to you because you buried yourself in so much fatigue from hitting failure so often. Yeah. 
So, but considering we're not strength athletes, we don't, we don't need to worry about that as much. So percentage base, I don't really like to use for anybody because of the reason that you don't have any, usually you don't have any accurate way of picking out what a two long run max would be. So I already gave the example on that, but I mean, it's useless to do for all, for most movements other than like squat, bench, deadlift, overhead press, maybe like other things that are like just basic really big movements. And even then, if you're going to get your one rep max, it's kind of sketchy. Um, and if you're going to use an estimate by what, at what rep you fail at, and then you use some sort of a, a calculating equation yeah. to get that actual one rep, one rep max. And then from that, the calculated one rep max using this equation, then you try to calculate what it is that your actual work should be at what percentage and how far away from failure that is. Like that's adding a lot of things that may not be exact. Yeah. Just kind of ballparking things and you don't know necessarily how accurate it's going to be for you. So it definitely has its downsides, but as far as being able to manage things a little bit closer, as far as looking at how much loading you can tolerate in any period of time, it, it can work good enough. Um, but the way that I typically will use things is I will, I predominantly just work from failure is kind of just the way I do things is I like it for myself. It's not, it's not based off of just, I don't know. As far as the research goes at this point with the like training research applied, it's looking more and more like doing more volume at slightly less than failure is going to be better in the long run than going to failure at every set, which is just kind of, it's a general blanket statement that we can kind of make at this point that that just looks like it's going to be the better way to go. But I don't know, it's not, it's not quite as satisfying, I guess, which I mean, for something that we enjoy doing and it's not necessarily our, our definite, like our number one profession, like you're not making money off of bodybuilding. Nope. I'm not a pro, although I plan to be at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we'll see. I don't, yeah. don't want to talk myself up. So, yeah, for, uh, you know, the world is still functioning. You know, yeah. So, so going to failure at every set is just kind of, it's something that I learned to do when I was young. It was just kind of something that you did. And at the very least, I like with my own clients, I like starting people there is giving them the directive. Like, I'm not going to give you, like most people end up coming um, to me for their training and they're doing a lot of volume is typical. Like that's usually the way people are going is they're doing like three, four, five sets of everything and doing a lot of exercises. So mm -hmm. what you usually end up finding with that is they're using the volume, not, not so that they can taper how close, how close they are to failure specifically consciously so they can do more volume and get more out of it. It's not because they have any in-depth knowledge of what the research is saying. It's usually just that they don't know how to push themselves hard enough or they don't want to 
or they're completely inefficient with their movements. So other things force them to fail at a movement before the actual muscle they're trying to train fails. So they have to do more sets for them to feel it right. So you have to do three, four, five sets for you to feel like you did work with that muscle because other things are making you fail first because you're inefficient, you're bad at doing the movement, or you're really bad at pushing yourself. So typically my approach is to take away all of the volume so that there's no crutch. Because volume is usually a crutch for people that don't know how to push themselves. You give people that really like to train the only option that, nah, you get one set or you get two sets and you need to, you need to take it to the house because this is all you get. If yeah. they're determined enough and they want to learn and they want to push themselves, they'll figure it out. And then they'll push themselves to the point where they, they actually learn what failure is like and they know what it feels like. So then, then after that point, every increment of volume that you add to their programming after that is actual useful volume. And they now know what failure is like so they can scale themselves back and instead of having to go to failure every time, they can go, okay, I know if I go for one more, I will fail and I won't be able to move. Not, I won't want to continue the set for one more rep. So I'm going to get buried under this bar if I try again. Mm -hmm. And then you learn the difference. But if you never went through that experience firsthand and you did that, and you went through that period of time where you had to learn how to push that hard and get efficient with your movement, then every single unit of volume that you are doing is basically useless to you. It's just garbage. But you learn it, and then every single unit of volume is actually useful to you, and then you can start to scale things from there, and then utilize percentage-based progressions, utilize RIR-based progressions, start using more complicated training schemes because you actually have a standard of what every unit of work is. Before that point, it wasn't standard because you had the crutch of volume to continue to do whatever bullshit you were already doing. You just do it until you felt like you did work and you got tired, which is different from doing an effective set. So, so yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I have to add to that. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, um, I can end with like my own anecdote for myself at this point. For the most part, like actually another point entirely, um, even if you don't realize you're doing it, you may be intelligently modulating and auto-regulating what your actual relative distance to failure is in what load you're using for what rep range. So like you may not be specifically like tracking out what your RIR is gonna be or what your percent of max is going to be or like any of these other ways of modulating your, your total loading or how close to failure you are. Like none of these things have to be specifically tracked out. You may just be doing it intuitively anyway. So something that I find a lot is like people that don't actually do a specific RIR based training, quote unquote, you're not doing it because you're not going through the same schemes that like, Dr. Isertel and the RP crew and Revive Stronger, like all the stuff that they specifically would write 
for the purpose of utilizing those landmarks. Like, even though you're not doing that exact method the way that they would write it out for you to do, you may still be utilizing the basic tenets of what it is that they base the training on. You just don't know it because you don't recognize it. So you, Jake, going in and doing your sumos, like you go until basically you can't, but you probably could keep going. You probably don't hit like the point where like the bar is just, it's glued to the ground and it's gone, right? It, it depends. Okay, it depends. And sometimes you do, and sometimes you don't. But that's, that's still relative, like you're away from failure at the times that you know that if you were to push it that far, you're going to be screwed up afterwards. I mean, most honestly, I mean, with this session I'm about to do, it's not going to be, I'm not expecting um, anything ridiculous. And odds are I'm going to cut it before. I get to the point of failure to save. But yeah, I'd say that's a fair point. I guess it depends on the session, but for the most part, I know before I start. If it's gonna, like, you know, you can tell me. So there's- I already know what that's there, gonna be. So yeah, you may be also, you may already be using the, the basic fundamental ideas behind these things without actually doing it and planning it out yourself. Is if you're auto-regulating your training to any degree or you're listening to yourself and you don't just train through everything um, and you just kind of truck through whatever it is you're feeling, if you have any sort of degree of listening to yourself, then you'll already be doing these things, even if you didn't track it out. Then there's also the point that going to failure and adding reps may be a better option for movements that you don't accumulate a, a lot of fatigue from so like doing isolated exercises like lateral raises doing you know things for small muscle groups bicep curls tractor extensions things of the like that you could just push and go to failure and it's not really going to do anything systemically to you but you pushing a squat to complete failure where you just get buried and somebody has to pull you out like going to failure on a hack squat and having somebody have to pull the plates off of you because you literally could not move and it's over with. And you got to the eighth minute of what was supposed to be a six minute set on the hack. Don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, you get to that point and you just can't move anymore. That's going to have a lot of systemic um, damage done as far as your recovery capacities because you've taken on a lot of fatigue from going to that place. But you can hit failure on a tricep extension or a leg extension or something like that, and you're not going to be that fatigued from it. You're not going to be walking. You might be sore the next day if you really took it that far, but it's not going to be smashing you centrally where you just feel like you're just completely broken in half and hit by a train. So, which is likely the case if you were to take every single compound lift to absolute failure where you can't move anymore. So each one of these methods has its application. So none of them can really be excluded in my opinion. They're all viable options. You just have to be smart about when you're using them. And to a degree, if you're auto-regulating yourself, you're already going to be doing a lot of these things. And you don't really necessarily have to track them out unless 
you really enjoy doing it and then go for it. But to be married to any one of these methods overall is going to be detrimental to you because they all have their own, like they all have their downfalls. Going to failure of every set of everything. Yeah. Although it's, it can be a satisfying way to train for us because we enjoy that feeling. It's not necessarily the most, you know, most productive that it could be. Although it's what we like and it gives us a good benchmark for where our actual true abilities sit, which is the reason why most of us like it. Now, RIR-based training that does it based on scaling and then also uh, percentage-based training, they have ways of specifically modulating your fatigue um, and sti uh, your stimulus versus fatigue in a ratio so that you can actually plot out longer periods of time and predict into the future a little bit what you can actually tolerate at any one period. So you could use them in a little bit more intelligent manner in a long-term manner for you to see where your progression could be in the long-term. And it has some predictive value and it can save you from pushing yourself too far and having you know, some unnecessary con uh, consequences due to that, which you do get from pushing to failure on every set. So like, there, there are things about all of these methods that are good and they have their upsides and they may all have a, a place in time for any one person in their training career. But to use any one of them for their entire career may be a detriment. And to exclude any one of them for the entire period of their career would probably also be a detriment as well. So just like most things, having experience in more than one thing is generally a good idea. So that you've seen more than one perspective. And if one thing works better for you for whatever reason that it does, it doesn't always matter what reason it is. If it worked better for you, it worked better for you. So give it a shot. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Move on. Try something else or return to it after you gain more knowledge on the area of the things that you have been, might have been screwing up in the first place. So, yeah, that's my take on that question. That's all for episode two. If you like the show, like, comment, subscribe, leave us a review, and we'll see you next time on Eat, Sleep, Train, Bodybuilding, and Fitness Radio.